What is happening, ladies and gentlemen? And thank you. Thank you very much for tuning in to part two with Richard Kirby. You know, if you missed part one, you'll have to go back and listen to it. But we, we covered a lot. You know, growing up in Tennessee, uh, I mean, really throwing caution to the wind and traveling out west, living in his car for a year, two years, whatever it took to get there. And at that time, it, it was it was a crazy time, especially in the skateboard world. Because we had a fire inside and would do whatever it took to, to continue cultivating that passion, that fire, whatever it is. And it shows. I think it shows in that era of skateboarding. People were going for it. You know, we had, we had people like Richard and, and Wade and Cardiel. These guys who I, I, I said them in the beginning of part uh, one. But those are the guys like I looked at. Like, that's the way to ride an effing skateboard. That's what you, you, you skate anything. And, and we talked a lot about that. So make sure to revisit part one. But we're going to pick it up right with part two because um, – you were just getting hooked up with Santa Cruz. You know, you're traveling all over. When did the opportunity come, or how did the opportunity come to become a professional, to get your name on a skateboard? Oh, okay. Um, well, I was, you know, I was living in Santa Cruz, kind of traveling around, out of my car. Um, just, they were sending me to contests and traveling around and basically really putting they were basically putting some money behind me, running ads and stuff like that, um, promoting, kind of giving it a reason why they should give me boards and whatnot. Um, so it just came to the point where they were like, all right, dude, like it's time. You need you need to – basically we need to recoup some of the cash we've spent on you. So as, as a future marketing tool, we're going to put a board with your name on it, sell it, recoup some of that money. Obviously, I mean that's that's how big skateboarding works, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the riders become marketing and advertising tools. Yep, so. that's exactly how it works. And I was reading, um, you know, doing some research. And how long were you pro before you got hurt? And that's, um, I mean, that was huge. Uh, it was, I would say, maybe. Two or three years, maybe. So, I mean, I, it, that when I got hurt when I was riding for Santa Cruz, that was my second knee surgery. Oh, yeah. So I got hurt. I, I injured my knee when I was eighteen before I even moved out west, and uh, came back and had surgery, recouped from that, and then did it again on a trip. We were, I was in Italy, and I and I re-injured my knee, and. Uh, it was about two, two, three years. I would say about three years in with Santa Cruz, and then um, after that, I just it just got heavy. Like skateboarding got, it didn't seem like it was, it didn't have its spark the way it used to. Like professional wise, you know, I, I felt like I, I saw through the, I saw through the cracks, kind of like behind the the curtain where the wizard was, <laughs> and I, and, I, and it kind of made me cynical to the whole the whole organization of professional skateboarding. I understand. I understand. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Because, you know, when I went out west, I didn't stay out there that long. And and I went out there just to ride my skateboard and meet people. I did not understand the whole concept of we don't skate till the filmer gets here. Like, I just wanted yeah. to go ride. And, yeah. and so even though 
technically I was professional when I moved out there, I still just wanted to ride my skateboard, meet people, have a good time. I didn't I didn't get the whole like, well, this is how you take pictures and you get them run and that's how you make money and pay yep. your bills. I didn't understand yep. that. Yep, that was me. And that was a and it was kind of a harsh reality cuz when I got out there, I was skating every day. I was going to parks and I was just I was just skating everywhere with anyone it didn't matter and I was skating as hard as I could every session. Whereas mm-hmm. I would see other dudes who were in the magazines and in videos and stuff, they would just they would just chill out for you know, three, four days and weeks at a time and be like, Oh cool, well now the photographer's here. Let's go get this one trick. Right. And I'm like, wait, what? Is that how that works? Like right. you know, but I feel like I also grew up on the East Coast looking at magazines thinking that everything in the magazine was made. Right, right. And then and then I get out there and I realize like, oh no no. That's just a really good picture. It doesn't mean he actually made it. Yep. Yeah, so very, very similar. And I got to ask you a question before we move forward. Um, I had some great experiences at Tim Brach. You know, that demo, I did some a few dates with uh, with him and Markovich during the AWH, like Stars and Bars thing. Oh, yeah. And um, yep. and just great, great experiences. I, I, I can't think of a better person to be skateboarding with, especially on a tour, than that man. Yeah. Tim, Tim was of kind of the same mentality, like, and that's what made him so special, and that's what made him stand out so much, even on the West Coast, was he was of the same mentality as, as like, you know, like Wade and, and and Cardiel and Julian and those people were like, he just had that spark. And mm-hmm. it didn't matter who you were or where you were, it was just, when it's time to go skate, let's just go skate. And you did it at full volume. Like, we're going to go skate, or it just doesn't feel good. You know, why half-ass it type deal. Yep, and, and, uh, and that's just what—that's just what made him stand out so so special. Definitely, definitely, I agree, one hundred and ten percent, and very fortunate to spend some time with him. So you end up um, moving back east. Yep, and. Yep. And uh, I'll bring up big mess a little bit because I want to get to what you're doing now. But you 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 come back east and and sort of get yourself centered a little bit. How did how did big mess come around? Uh, well, it was it was me and a couple of my buddies. We were hanging out and we just couldn't find like a little bit wider boards that we wanted to ride. Shaped boards, you know, like we were kind of just sitting around, kind of getting bummed out. Like man, like. Well, I want this shape. I want this board. You know, we just couldn't find it. So we're like, let's just start a little company and make the shapes that we want to ride in the sizes that we want. And if they sell, that's cool. If not, we'll just have boards that we'll just ride. You know, we will only do the boards that we want to ride because that'll, you know, we'll always have a a stack of boards. And um, we did the first one. And it just started taking off. And, like, people were like, oh, hey, well, let me do some art. And, you know, I, I had a bunch of buddies who were like, well, yeah, I'll do I'll do a board, do a guest model. Like, let's do this. And it just started, it just started really taking off. And um, eventually it was just me running it by myself and doing doing everything, you know, trying to find people to do art or, or you know, guest models or whatnot. And then it, then it just became kind of like a, a big growing pain where it was either I needed to hire in some people to help me or just give it up because there's no way I can do it by myself. 
and it got to, I just had to give it up eventually. Yeah. It, um, you know, running a board company, uh, I started purple heart skateboards in, uh, 2008 and I was doing it all by myself for very similar reasons. Like I'm like, you know, the whole California thing left a sour taste in my mouth or the big skateboarding thing, not necessarily California, but the big skateboard thing. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to do my own thing and do graphics the way I want to do them and how I want it to be done. And uh, but it's not easy to, to do when you're doing it by yourself. And then you do you get to a point where you're like, OK, do I take it to the next level and be maybe become big skateboarding or do I, you know, continue it the way it is or, or shut it down? Exactly. exactly. And that's and that's pretty much what had happened. Um, it just got so like I just couldn't keep up with. I couldn't keep. Well, I hate to throw it back on some throw someone else in this bus but like it the the wood shop couldn't keep up with my orders so i could fill fill up the for my distributors so i was getting behind on my distributors orders which made me look bad so it just it just trickled down and just got it became more of a headache than anything honestly you know it just so yeah i just i just had to walk away from it it, it became kind of it started to become big skateboarding for me again, and it was not fun. And I was ended up sitting on the computer, you know, half the day trying to figure out, you know, graphics or production or when are these boards coming in or selling them or getting getting orders filled. Then I was actually out skating. And I was like, whoa, oh, I'm doing it all over again. I want to I want to go skate. You know, so... Yeah, I've heard Lance Mountain talk uh, about the firm a little bit like that, you know, where he was just like, you know, it's 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 like a job, and I'm I'm around skating all the time, but I'm not skating at all. I, I haven't yeah. been skating yeah. at all, and uh, I know Danforth and I have had that conversation as well. Um, but moving moving forward a little bit, after Big Mess, you're a pretty creative guy. What comes next? Like, what is the evolution of Richard Kirby after that? Um, well, I was doing graphic design as a, as a job here and well i was doing a graphic design out in california before i moved back and then once i moved back i, I just kind of fell into hey i'm a graphic designer i've got a job but it being such a small town i was basically just doing little league jerseys and church shirts and nothing that was really driving my, my creative juices and uh, a couple buddies that i grew up with around here you know who's been tattooers for you know 20 30 years at this point kind of pulled me aside and we're like hey dude what are you like what are you doing with your life like i'm working you know so like well once you need to be a little bit more creative you're wasting your you're wasting your 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 talent why don't don't you let us show you how to do tattoos and you'd be a tattooer so i I just fell right it kind of just fell right in my lap basically you know i'm like I've been getting tattooed, but I never really knew how to get into tattooing. You know, it never really, it never really sparked on me really until they were like, "No, dude, you're an artist. This is what you do. Everything, everything I draw and stuff like that's kind of tattoo related. So you should just do them." You got to love it. I, I will say something about tattooing. You know, uh, I think I was, I don't know, early twenties, and my cousin. Um, had been tattooing me at home, and uh, he let me do actually the Jason Jesse King Neptune outline on his thigh, oh, wow. and and I, I I did an okay job, but I just am like you know I I I 
I don't love it. Out of the gate, I don't love it. And I that's the only tattoo I've ever done. And I've collected them ever since, and I love it. And I've done a ton of artwork for other people to tattoo on me and yeah. others. But I'm like, it's, it's one of those things. And, and similar to uh, you talking about Big Mess, you know, when, it, when, when you're not passionate about it and you're not driven still by it, uh, it's tough to get out of bed in the morning and go, okay, I got to go do this. But yeah. as a creative person, uh, getting the opportunity to try tattooing, go, you know what? I think I can do this. And and um, was it a, a, that kind of a thing? Did you love it out of the gate? Did you have to grow into it? Uh, no, I actually, I was. It's kind of a you know, it's a it's a very high pressure, nerve wracking type situation um, job. You know, so I think I, I think that's what I liked about it was the adrenaline rush, that the ner- the nervousness of like. You get one try. <laughs> you don't. There's no like going back and like fixing it. You get one shot. So it's it's kind of like skateboarding in a sense. Like I view every tattoo as like a trick that I have to pull. Like I don't. I have to look at it and map it out and kind of view my landing and view my run up and kind of look at it and figure out how I'm going to get from point A to point B successfully. You know, and so I've, I've used like tattooing. It's very much like skateboarding to me. So I kind of, I, I love it. I mean, it's it's fun. It's exciting. Right on. Even on like, even on like, you know, the most mundane ideas, I still try to find like the fun part of them. Right on. And and right now, um, you are uh, tattooing out of Golden Rule Tattoo in Bristol, Tennessee. Correct. That is correct. All right. How is that going? How is, especially right now during COVID, it's had, it has to be yeah. a crazy last eight to 10 months. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been all right. So I, I opened, I moved back from, uh, I was living in Richmond, Virginia, and I moved back here because I feel like, you know, when you, when it's time to open up a tattoo shop, you should do it in your hometown. You know, that's just kind of respectful. Um, so I moved back, opened up and then opened up in January and then in March, you know, the, the COVID stuff hit, which no big deal. It, it happened. So we shut down for, um, what, almost two months and, and then we're, we're back open and, you know, we, we're safety precautions and regulations and stuff like that. Um, it's definitely a lot slower and I think a lot of people are a little bit more timid in coming out, but you know, it's as they should be it's it's slow but we're surviving it's fine Right on. Well, we, you brought up Jay Kelly earlier, um, who is, uh, you know, runs American Nomad. And I know he makes some, like, custom tattoo guns. I mean, he's deep in it. Uh, do, you, do you get to talk to him much uh, at all about that side of things, the tattoo world? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I talk to Jay pretty much almost every day, at least through, like, text or, or Instagram message or whatnot, you know. We pretty much have a constant thread of us going back, joking and playing and stuff. Um, yeah, Jay's a real good dude. He's real knowledgeable. He's been he's been doing doing the tattoo stuff for I mean, geez, triple what I have. I mean, I think he's twenty some odd years in, and I'm I'm just barely at ten. So yeah, I when I when we were doing he's doing the American Nomad, and I was doing Big Mess. We would call each other and talk and kind of swap ideas. Like, hey man, I'm going to do. I'm going to do a fishtail this month. Like, you should, you know, don't do a fishtail so we're not trampling each other type, you know. So, and then when I started tattooing, it was like just another thing in common we, we could rap about, you know. And he, he's helped me out, like, 
I would call him up and be like, hey, man, like, what's wrong with this design? Like, what should I do? Like, yeah, and he's, I mean, he's built a couple of my first machines for me. He's, he's been a real good, very helpful dude. Right on. It's always always great to have people like that around you. And, and, and just bringing this whole conversation all the way back around to the beginning of segment one, I was talking about skateboarding is more than just the act of riding a skateboard. It's everything that comes with it. It's the people. It's, it's I mean, the stoke is, is never ending. And especially, I think the majority of skateboarders are, are creative, either musicians or artists or, or, or whatever that is. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think with skateboarding, it, it, it does something to the brain that, that just helps people be more creative. I mean, most skateboarders are musicians or artists or do something creative when they're not on a skateboard. You know, it's not just that it's a, an activity or a sport or, you know, an athletic thing to do. It's, it's actually like it gets your creative juices flowing. Like I said, it, it makes you do a lot of problem solving. And, and how to get from point A to point B, you know, without killing yourself. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I think you just view the world differently. Like, you see things that other people don't see, cracks in the sidewalk that just most people just don't even bother with. But, you know, as I'm walking, I'm like, oh, I guess watch these cracks. I don't trip or stub my toe. Or, you know, as you're driving, you see a bank on the side of the road and instantly your head turns. And everyone's looking at you funny, like, well, what are you looking at? Like, oh, well, oh, it's just that bank we just passed. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean like a federal unit? No, it's like the, the bank that you could ride. Oh, I didn't even see it. I know you didn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know, or you see a, a set of stairs or something. You're like, oh, look at that set of stairs. And you're like, mm-hmm, yep, that's a set of stairs. sure is. Oh, yeah, well, then you, they don't get it. It's a, it's a different world. It just opens your eyes to different elements. Definitely. I think I know uh, anybody who's been riding a skateboard longer than, I don't know, a couple of years looks at the landscape completely different, completely oh, different yeah. than than somebody who's never done it. Um, you know, on that crea- creativity front, being a, a designer and whatnot, have you had the opportunity to work with other companies in the extreme sports world? I think uh, Merge 4 comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I've, well, Merge 4 is um, it's one of the old partners from SC Clothing and Sessions. So when they started doing the socks, and I've always been friends with them ever since I was skated for SC and Sessions, they're just like, hey, man, like, can we use some of your art? Like, well, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've done art for the socks company, Merge 4, and then I've done some board graphics for Beer City, um, within like the last couple of years. But other than that, not, not a whole lot. I really don't get out and try to promote myself in that manner. I just kind of do things for friends if they've got things coming up, you know. Right on. Well, it sounds like it's working out pretty good. And you bring up SD, and that's funny because right after, um, you know, I had heard about Tim, I actually have that logo tattooed that goes underneath my watch band on my left arm to remind me that, you know, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. Um, yep. So I, I, 
I see that logo on a regular basis uh, and yeah. reminds me to be a good person. But, um, you know, we, we got like five minutes left, and, and we've covered a lot here on the show. I can't thank you enough for coming on the drop-in today, Richard. Um, yeah, no problem. What's coming next? I mean, continue to grow to the shop what do you, or grow the shop. What do you got coming up? That would be, that would be nice. Um, right now it's just me. It's my shop. It's just, just me working every day, doing tattoos. Um, eventually, yeah, it would be nice have a couple dudes come in who are quality tattooers and, you know, get them working. But, you know, it's the shop's in its infancy, so it's, it's a lot of baby steps at this point. You know, it's just nice to be able to pay the bills and keep the doors open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, if folks who are listening right now, what's the best way to contact uh, you, see your work, all that kind of stuff? Um, you can either go on Instagram or Facebook. Um, either way, it's either Golden Rule Tattoo TN or it's going to be Curb Slider, K-I-R-B-S-L-I-D-E-R. Very cool. And I will be sharing yeah. those links uh, as uh, I promote the show the next week or two. So um, thank you again very much. You're mm-hmm. welcome on the show anytime, brother. And uh Thanks. I, I can imagine that uh, me and the crew from Detroit are going to have to make our way down to Tennessee. Sure, man. Anytime. All right. Well, thank you, sir, and enjoy the rest of your day, brother. Do the same. All right. Thanks, Richard. Uh-huh. I'll tell you what, guys. Um, you know, I'm, I feel honored and fortunate uh, that, that uh, you know, Richard Kirby. Richard Kirby. Like, like I, I, I think of... When I get to do stuff like this and bring you interviews with the most amazing people, I'm still like 12, like 12, like I'm giddy, I'm giddy. And you saw it, like I was, I was hanging on every word, hanging on every word and reliving it. It's so awesome to bring the inspirational stories, and you guys get to hear that, that the background story of, of, of so many people is probably not what you think. Probably, if you were skateboarding in 1997, 98, and you saw photos and video of uh, Kirby all over the place, crushing it all over the West Coast, I'm sure you did not think, I bet that dude lives in his car. I bet you he's just freaking fired up on living life and getting every, everything he can out of every moment he's alive. Probably didn't think that. Well, now you know. You know, there was, I forget who it was who would always go, and now the rest of the story. That's what we do here on the drop in. I get to bring you the rest of the story. And to know that Golden Rule Tattoo down in Bristol, Tennessee is his shop. If you're rolling through Tennessee, stop and say hello. Say, hey, I heard your interview on the drop in and pick his brain. Talk. Now you know the rest of the story. So rad, so rad. It is such an honor to be here in the NRM studios and be able to bring you interviews and, and, and talk to just, you never know what's coming next. And for me, this one was special. This one was special. I remember the day. I remember watching him and, and the rest of the Santa Cruz team ripping all over Metro Trend in Ferndale, Michigan. And, and like I said earlier, that is what skateboarding is. That is how you ride the skateboard right there. That's, that's who I want to uh, be able to. I want to do that. I want a little piece of that. And guys like Richard Kirby, like Wade Spire, like Tim Broch are the reason I still ride that way today as much as I can. I mean, I don't get to get out and get after it as often as I used to. Or probably not, not even close to the level I used to. But I still like to skate everything. If it's the vert ramp or the bowl or roll around the street course, I want to skate it all. 
and do it as long as I can. And I know most people in the skateboard world would say the same thing. But with that, I, j- I just can't thank you guys enough for tuning into this show each week. Next week will be an encore show because I get to get a surgical um, procedure done. My hips don't work, and the doctor told me I have to get new hips, and he wasn't sure how I'm even walking right now. So they're going to put some injections in my hips so I can continue to ride my skateboard and do everything I love to do before they actually have to cut my bones and put new hips in. I'm going to prolong that as long as I can because the best surgery is no surgery. So next Thursday, I'll be they got to put me under and put this big needle in there, do whatever. Two weeks later after that, they got to do the other hip. And, um, you know, living an active lifestyle, being a goaltender for 20 years, skateboarding for over three decades, you got to pay the price, but I'm willing to do that because I wouldn't change a damn thing. So with that, I want to say thank you guys so much for tuning in. And until the next time, I am Gerald Valley, and this is The Drop-In.